everybody, welcome to China Money Podcast. Thank you for coming. Um, so tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and also why did you started China Creation uh, last year? Okay, uh, I spent the first 11 years since 1994 as an entrepreneur uh, to startups in China in fintech area and then involved one IPO and another company being acquired and went to Wharton for MBA then joined Client Perkins spent another 10 years there since 2007 from beginning of China Fund so we did uh, many great investments there like uh, G.com like Room360 and Credit Ease and Himalaya, Isha.com, etc. And many unicorns from early stage investments. And then we saw many new China consumer behavior based new model emerging from China. And then later, local technology emerging as well. So it's more and more important for us to realize that local decision is more important, uh, especially for those business models never happens in other country. It's very difficult for us to communicate if this is a pretty new and local behavior based. So our team started discussing about uh, maybe it makes sense to you know raise an independent fund in China to do uh, investment here to support local startups and entrepreneurs. That's why we did that. So, so you year. raise a dual currency fund? Yes, we raised RMB fund first very quickly within three months. Mm -hmm. It's about 1.5 billion RMB, very long life cycle, 10 years long, long uh, fund. Which is very unusual. Yeah, very Chinese. unusual. I don't know how many billion RMB fund have such long life period. Because usually it's 5 plus 2, right? Yeah, we have 10. So we have very good... Uh, LP supporters from an institution and from a fund in China. Maybe share a little bit about that uh, fundraising experience for for someone raising a debut fund. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what what's important and what was critical in securing a fund in such short time. Yeah. Well, for RMB fund and your style of fundraising is uh, pretty different. Uh, RMB fund for us is very fast because we've been working here, local uh, limited partners, those uh, big fund of fund, institution, government funding, they know our name very well. They know our portfolios very well because like Himalaya, most of them use at home, right? GD.com. So they know that it's very easy for them to recognize us. The second thing is that we were very lucky actually. Our team, the whole team from Client Perkins, TMG team, we spin off. Together. We don't think it's a spin-off, we think it's a rebranding for our fund. So the whole team, the same team here. So for those uh, limited partners, it's very easy for them to make decisions because it's the original team who made the last 10 years great investments, now have a new brand. It's not so difficult for them to understand. But for US dollar fund, it's a little bit different. Uh, with Kleiner, uh, we don't need to worry about fundraising. China is a huge brand, very powerful platform. So it's very easy for fundraising, we just participate uh, a little bit. But uh, now with ourselves to go out for fundraising, it's uh, pretty new for us. We have to talk with limited partners, most of them they don't know as well, even we've been in market over 10 years. So we need to communicate, let them, let them understand who you are, what you did. but. Uh, 
for U.S. dollar fund, the good thing is once they invest in you, they will continue to support you. They are long-term uh, limit partners. They're very, very patient capital. Yeah, very patient, mm -hmm. and uh, they at least will support you two, three funds. But for RMB fund that, uh, side, that's a different story because RMB fund limit partners, most of them not not so mature, mm -hmm. and their source of funding is not so stable as well. So maybe next fund we will have found that some of the limit partners cannot continue to support you. But anyway, I think uh, um, we appreciate that it's a very, very fast fundraising process for us. Yeah. I, I wonder how long did it take uh, to raise a U.S. dollar fund? We had first closing within three months. Okay. It's already very fast. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, again, we think we've been yeah. very lucky. Yeah, it's a very yeah. speedy process to raise that fund. So, so now you have your, you manage your own uh, dual currency fund, and what do you think is the core and different investment strategy for China creation compared to you know, thousands of other VC funds in China? Sure. Uh, actually, there's two things. First of all, we've been with clients for 10 years, the whole team. I think that uh, we learned a lot uh, from this powerful platform and all the experience and uh, network we've been went through. So we actually, uh, in past uh, 10 years in China, especially past uh, seven years, when I leading TMT investment in China, we're using group hunting approach. Basically, teamwork is very important for our team. It's very different from most of the VC. In most of the VC, uh, individual working for you know for themselves, mm -hmm. or maybe a partner plus uh, associate doing one sector uh, investments and uh, competing with their peers. But for us, we have a very small team. So we're always working together as a team instead of uh, individualized investments approach. We sit together every month. We pre-select what sector we most likely want to do investments. We'll boom in some of these kind of sectors. Mm -hmm. Once we identify this kind of sector, our team will work together. Everybody spend time, mandatorily. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that leads naturally to the next question, which is, what are those sectors? And we all know, you know what sectors are hot, but mm -hmm. really from an investor who's actually putting capital into startups, what are actually the, the sectors or niche markets that you can invest in you know, with the highest possibility of securing that high return? That's the bottom line for, for VCs. Sure. Uh, as you know, every month we have a different subsector to dive. Okay, so we shift shifting very fast. Basically, uh, first of all, I have to see we look at about big trend first. It's not about specific sector. What's happening? What will happen next several years? It's very important for VC to working on site in China, not in other country, because you can sense what's happening here very vividly. Mm -hmm. So, for example, now we sense that from about one half year, two years ago young generation really, the turning point happened. The young generation really controls most of the consumption power, especially online. It's shifting. So we saw many of our portfolios like Himalaya, their subscription-based membership now, the revenue growing very, very fast. In part, we never imagined Chinese people will pay membership for content, monthly membership, so fast. We think it will happen maybe another five years. Uh, it's happening now and very fast. 
So just so, to give a little bit background for, you know, for, for people who don't know what Himalaya FM is, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like a Chinese version of podcast for your iPhones. So that's where you can get a lot of audio uh, content, either it's uh, talk shows or music. Or um, or even some maybe perhaps some TV shows that that could be yeah talk shows uh, yeah everything uh, th that's a good good example for uh, you know Western country people understand that but I think this model is an example that this this model is more powerful in China compared to other countries even podcasts being with, been there for a long time mm -hmm. but Himalaya uh, I made a round investment like four years ago. When they have only four million users, now they have six hundred million users. Six hundred million. Yes, yeah, and it's all Chinese. Half of Chinese. It's like yeah, yeah. over half of if Chinese. If you talk about age and etc., yeah, they can. They already have almost everyone in their network. Everybody spend like one hundred ninety. Oh, so active user spend one hundred nineteen minutes every day. And last December third and fourth, two days, mm -hmm. they have a promotion. They they promote their membership for you to subscribe. So a little bit discount. Within two days, they record about one hundred ninety six million RMB revenue. Within two days, that's amazing. So wow. which 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 is a great example shows that you know my age, older, you know generation of uh, Chinese. We use internet from beginning. Everything's free, so which means, uh, you know, I always see this generation like a desert for internet because we don't pay. But the young generation, their behavior is uh, very similar to American kids, Japan kids. They pay for whatever they would like, and some young generation people they pay the percentage they pay on mobile for any service they like. The percentage is much higher compared to their. American peers. So, do, with do you this, have specific numbers on that? I have some numbers. For example, uh, I reviewed a company doing uh, factory Wi-Fi. So, the, for for what those is that? big factory dorm, Fact dormitory, oh, and okay. like a Foxconn, right? They okay. deploy the Wi-Fi for free for them to use. Mm -hmm. They they charge with the downloads of game and play game and buy watch goods, etc. That company have a lot of number of you know those factories have like. Uh, some of them have five, uh, fifty thousand employees there, like twenty years old young kids there. They spend six, seven hours every day on mobile for, for entertainment. That's the only entertainment they have because those factories building from nowhere, right? There's no entertainment service there. And uh, the amazing thing is their monthly salary about five thousand RMB. Some of them spend like one third of their salary. Just for mobile entertainment, buy virtual goods, play games, communicate with people, etc. So you can imagine, even China have a, you know, everybody, uh, everybody spend a much lower. I think it's less than one third consumption on mobile internet compared to U.S. But we have a much larger population. People spend a much longer time compared to, you know, American case. And again. We have more channel to pay. Actually, some of the business model like uh, Dasha, right? Yeah, give tips so like to tipping, yes. uh, tipping to like the live, uh, live streaming. Yeah, yes. that's emerging from China. So and uh, a lot of uh, uh, virtual goods as gift, it's uh, uh, as well. So this kind of thing you can imagine.
compared to U.S. and China, even U.S. is everybody spend more, but the whole consumption power now I think it's uh, almost equal, will be equal soon. With this in mind, I think there's many subsectors will benefit from this trend because people really want to pay and they pay a lot for whatever they like. Uh, we see that more, uh, uh, online education now is booming as well because they started to be profitable and like a content provider, etc. This all will benefit from this trend. Uh, so for, for Himalaya FM specifically, what do you think, you know, if the, if the company already have over half of the Chinese population as it's yeah, used, what are the question. future growth will I come know. from? First of all, they still, uh, you know, stickness still growing. The content is like uh, a membership. The payment, uh, mem member payment, still very small portion of the company. There's a huge room to grow. Uh, and also, they already started the global expansion as well. So uh, we are helping the company as well to do the global expansion. Yeah, I, I know that uh, uh, user growth is always an issue, but I think that's kind of like a, a little bit last decade thinking about, about Internet in China. Because last decade, Internet in China, they don't make much money. So IPO company based on eyeballs and user base to make the valuation, right? They use comparables to compare the valuation not based on the profitability. But now with the new trend, I think that a profitability era is really coming for Internet in China. So even the user, the growth is already mostly there, but their revenue and profit will keep growing for many, many years. Okay. The younger generation Chinese consumers are more willing to spend online, to pay for virtual goods online. Um, what does that mean for startups? First of all, for many sectors, startups like uh, online education for past many years, a lot of people tried, but very little make money. The people don't pay. But now, those sectors, the startups, we get a lot of profitability. So even without any outside funding, we can survive now. That's very important for them. And for many other sectors like uh, new brand, you know, in, in past generation, people in China really love luxury goods from Europe, right? But now young generation also have a little bit different taste. Sometimes they prefer local internet or Hong generated brand. The internet celebrity yeah, uh, brand. Yeah, this kind of brand. Mm -hmm. So this also give a lot of opportunity for consumer goods to rebranding or create new brand for China. I think this, this is why now a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, like uh, tea, coffee brand mm -hmm. emerging. Mm -hmm. Even there's a lot of tea uh, brand and the coffee brand in market already, but it's still very hard. So it's part of the consumer upgrade sto story, right? Yeah. So it's consumers' tastes continue to uh, evolve. Uh, they have uh, more sophisticated um, tastes and re uh, requir requirements about you know the, the, uh, the I think it's just a, it's just a, like every generation always think their parents' generation whatever they like it's too old fashioned. So basically, uh, every twenty years, I think brand need to be uh, you know regenerate a new group of brand. For example, my son 
he never saw any uh, advertisement uh, on TV about Nike or Under Armour, right? But he think Nike is not cool because Daddy wear Nike every day. It's old. Uh, yeah, it's old. It's represent old. So he like Under Armour because I never wear that brand. So I think this is one of the kind of uh, psychologies that young generation now they tend to express their themselves. Another thing is this young generation, they really want to individualize the stuff. They don't want to be like other people, as an equal stuff, uh, same stuff, same pro product. So this will also give internet startup a lot of opportunities because basically internet itself give a lot of opportunity and big data, AI, can provide more customized service for everyone. I think this will generate many opportunities for startups. So what are some of the companies you're looking at under this theme? First of all, as mentioned, with client purchasing in the past 10 years, we're always looking for companies have potential to grow like uh, over 200, 300 million users. If it's target below 100 million user internet company, we don't want to invest because it's too small. But now, even only if you only target like uh, 15 million, 13 million user group of demographic, you can still be very profitable and very valuable. So that's a total different story. So with that in mind, that's why we just uh, started reinvesting content, vertical content platform. We already have the largest audio content platform, Himalaya, and also the short form video platform, Isha.com. But now we're investing more in part, we don't do that because it's too small. But now, the vertical, even they are targeting small group of people, it can be very profitable. We just made one investment called Dongsu. That's a virtual uh, virtual band uh, app. So people from different locations and different time, they can finish one song, harmony together, then combine together. Kind of like a band in the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's very niche. In the past, this kind of app never make money. But now, this, this kind of uh, app is very active and the content they generated because, because people really started to pay, have a chance to you know, charge people who use their content they generated from that platform. So in past, as mentioned, uh, this kind of app will very difficult to survive. Mm -hmm. now, yeah, that's America. a very interesting example. So, um, so what does this mean? Um, you know, after the, the the mobile internet, perhaps the first phase of mobile internet development, when everyone wants to be the biggest platform with the largest number of users, uh, now you can actually carve your own niche and go deep in that, and then people would pay for this kind of unique services. Mm -hmm. um, do, you know, do, is this you know, how, uh, the correct way to understand the, the, the trend you were just describing? For mobile internet, I think that's right. Uh, because I, we have to admit that uh, huge platform like Tencent, Alibaba, and JD.com, etc. Now, it's, the opportunities feel yeah, you started it's re really difficult now. Right, yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, vertical platform, the good thing is in, uh, now vertical platform also can be very valuable, like a multi-billion, maybe tens of billion value. So it's still very profitable business 
and still I think it's very valuable to keep us there. Very interesting. And what about some of the other attractive uh, markets that you see that uh, you have been recently looking at uh, potential investments? Yeah, there's two reasons we want to do the independent fund, right? The first reason is uh, consumer behavior is different here and uh, this new business model emerging. We just describe a lot of the business model based. Another thing is the new technology really emerging here as well. Uh, that's why our firm's name is China Creation Ventures. We think, you know, in part, so we've been always criticized by peers from U.S. that they always criticize why you guys investing in company copy our business model here. You know, it doesn't. So about, yeah, yeah, it's all cool. If you we feel not so good when we've been asking that question. <laughs> but since 2011, 2012, we saw many, many new business models here happen, as mentioned. And now, even better, we see more and more technology really have innovation here. I'm from a very deep technology background, semiconductor, physics, electronic science. And my past 10 years in climate, we didn't invest much in deep tech because it doesn't make money. But now, we saw that, for example, AI. Uh, a lot of people understand that AI technology in China, compared to US, we don't have that kind of advanced technology. Right, not like the cool, like core research. Yeah, the cutting edge technology, etc. like uh, uh, Google's technology, right? But China have an advantage here is, Chinese people adopt new things so fast. Even the government adopted new things very fast. So with this the fastest adoption rate, new technology can easily, quickly find commercialized application here. But but I mean the the sort of the application layer of the AI sector has already you know top tier players are already so highly valued. Uh, the, the the highest value company is perhaps valued at three billion US dollars already. Yeah. So for that layer, you know, if we're talking about application of AI technology, combining that technology mm -hmm. uh, to certain sectors, um, don't you feel perhaps opportunity there is already uh, are gone? Actually, actually no. Okay. The the beauty of AI now is not like you have a advanced technology you can apply to everywhere. That's not true. Different sector, different industry have different, you know, uh, uh, uniqueness. And also, it's very important to run the AI with the real-life data to train it. AI need to be trained. It's, I always give this kind of example, like uh, uh, Chinese AI is like a kid, like average IQ. U.S. Silicon Valley technology is like a, a little genius, same age. But Chinese AI, we put this case in real life from the beginning. On the street, you can learn every day. But uh, Silicon Valley uh, AI is in the lab. They don't touch the real world much at this time, at this moment. So for a certain period, we have uh, our case here because we running the real world every day. He can adapt, he can well suited to the market and commercialize very True. fast. But I mean, you know, some of the most lucrative industries have, have already been taken 
public security, mm, uh, yeah. even drones. You mean, you, you even, mean sense time. Yeah, even, yeah. you know, face recognition, voice recognition, um, all those sort of, you know, we have already companies emerging that's becoming the leader in those sectors. Yeah. So are you looking to, you know, more like perhaps even, you know, semiconductor or AI chips? That's where not only the Chinese government is encouraging um, uh, great investments into this space, but also um, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, government actually today just announced uh, procure procurement uh, requirements or uh, standards where they're including a lot of Chinese AI chip maker to be included that in that list. So there will be a lot of you know government support and policy in this industry. So are you looking at that? Yeah, we are looking at that as well. But uh, application level is still uh, now uh, top priority for us. Again, I still think there's many opportunities in vertical. It's not like somebody giant can take right. everything. We there just made one investment called Sinsung. Uh, uh, it's a uh, AI company, they focus on English education, online education. Um, so, so what is your post-investment management process look like? Take the example of uh, Kuwa uh, Robot, for example. Um, the company, like you described, uh, will need to work closely with a lot of governments in China. How do you help the company to, to do this kind of um, either government relations, business development, um, uh, or, or marketing and sales, what's the involvement level? Okay, uh, first of all, for value AI, it's uh, very important for VC, otherwise you will be a money guy, right? The money is everything. Which is usually the case yeah, in China. <laughs> yeah, but we really, in past 10 years, uh, we invest a very limited number of cases, which means we spend more time on every case we invest in. We do, of course, every VC do the Every valuable VC do the same, right? Uh, they helping recruiting, helping the company for like uh, many detailed things. But for me, my concentration is always like uh, I have a believing that we give money to entrepreneurs. So if the if the this this kind of service is like standard service, they can purchase in market. That's not some kind of value we really need to pay attention because they can buy. We need to provide some service that there's nowhere they can buy. For example, the strategic direction. Uh, for example, as mentioned, Kua from beginning we've been discussing about maybe making uh, like luggage, small luggage, 2C product or 2B product. They have different understanding in their team. We help them to focus on 2B, not 2C. Right? It's uh, much important for future. And also... And why? Why do you think 2C is not a good um, it's, direction? It's interesting. It's a good product. But still, I think it's uh, it's not so there yet. And for 2B product, their technology and uh, you know consumer needs, the government and related party needs, it's should already it be there. Like, should it be 2G, like to government, really? Not only government, like... Uh, for example, the uh, restaurant chain uh, Robert, it's a uh, 2B business. This kind of 2B business, we think it's uh, more doable in now. The luggage is fine, but uh, it's not something, you know, maybe last forever. Uh, 
uh, it's a really, really uh, shifting very fast from different product. And this team, their advantage, again, back to this company, their advantage is, uh, I think, a more, more complicated product. Uh, also, the smart logistics and the warehouse, they do the same. They also do some product there. This, I think, is the right direction, face the company, uh, startup team's expertise. It's a uh, DNA of the company. And also, for for example, for other companies like Dongsi Investment Invested, we build a different kind of connection with uh, for them with my portfolio like Himalaya, like uh, Isha.com, and uh, the resource they can get is uh, something they cannot get by themselves or buy from market. So I think this is uh, the more important value add as an investor. Give the company something they cannot use cash to buy. That, that is indeed very important. And um, uh, what you just described, you know, including making them to, um, uh, connecting them with your other portfolio companies, sort of leverage among your uh, network of net, uh, portfolio companies, uh, uh, making valuable introductions, um, um, and also strategic advice. Um, uh, those are all very important, but I, I'm wondering, like, you need to spend all this time and your manpower on this post-investment management. And how do you balance, you know, between the post-investment management part and also you have to talk to hundreds of companies and uh, making investment decisions, right? So your team will have to be really big in order to do two things at, at the same time. Mm, that's why we being very disciplined of our you know case we invest number of the case. In past ten years, I only made 30, 35 case. It's a very small number compared to most exactly. of my peers yes. in market. Very small number, but one third of them, like thirty percent, growing from early stage to billion dollar company. So it's a very high percentage of the success rate. We, that's the uh, most important index for my team. Everybody from this team being uh, an entrepreneur or working for startups in Paris. So everybody really, the investment from my team is not like a microtransaction and moving on. We really enjoy the process to grow up together with the company. So that's why our firm's English name is Changshu Hua Ban. We are, we are your buddy, working together with you from beginning. So uh, that's uh, that's why actually VC now in China is not as attractive. The job is not as attractive as ten years ago, right? But uh, the team here is still very passionate. Uh, then with a limited number of investment case and the group, you know, the teamwork approach, uh, I think we we can handle that well. So, what do you think? are the largest or biggest challenges for Chinese VCs nowadays investing in Chinese startups? Is it, you know, ridiculously high valuation? Is it, um, is it competing with perhaps massive amount of capital from government uh, guidance funds? Uh, for my sector, because I'm always focusing on advanced technology, mobile internet, etc. early stage. The early stage. I think it's fine because the valuation we're looking at, especially on U.S. dollar side, is pretty reasonable. It's not so crazy. The issue is now in growth stage to late stage, the valuation is like crazy. That's true. So for us, 
and everything moving so fast because a lot of money coming in. The company can grow very fast. A war will end within, within one or two years. So for early stage investors, for us, the difficulty is there's no such long time for you to evaluate. So you have to make a very quick learning and a very quick decision, uh, which means we, you know, every day we have to learn new things. So that's why I always admire those uh, life science investors because they can sleep in well every night because after five years, the uh, drug is the same. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, like every week. So fast paced. So fast paced, right? Yeah. right? So that's the most difficult part. You have to keep learning. Yeah. And you have to make quick decisions. Sometimes just maybe, yeah. you know, it's all your gut feelings. Yeah. You maybe after three months, like one of the company I invested, I cannot give you the name. I made investment two months ago. Now, there's uh, many offer try to invest with about 10x valuation, and there's another big guy even want to acquire the company now. So we can cash out within two months. The IR looks very good, but we don't want that because we think the company can grow to be a huge success in the long run. We really want the company to go independent. That's another issue, the huge giant company, BATJ, TMD, they are now super aggressive, even moving to earlier stage, trying to control some startups. That uh, could be good or bad for VCs. Good thing is you have a very fast exit opportunity. The uh, issue is if you want to really support company, like my passion is a company company from zero to huge, like Jim.com, like Himalaya. I feel so proud I've been there from the beginning and looking for a company's company till now to be a huge one. If we sell that, we don't have the opportunity to do that. I mean, so. it's a process that's the most perhaps enjoyable. Yeah, but, that's true. but do you feel like some people say the government is killing China's VC industry, or do you feel you know that's mm. true? And also, is you know the BAT killing China's VC industry? I I never think government's doing anything uh, on this. Because they have yeah. you know. Well, all my sector is a very hands-free sector for most of the uh, government uh, funding, and also. My AMB fund, uh, there's a lot of uh, funding from government guidance fund. Exactly. So the government now is uh, getting more and more sophisticated. They know they should not deploy money directly by themselves to company directly. They know they need to go, go through the fund of fund structure, looking for best managers to manage their money. So I think it's pretty healthy uh, now. And lastly, do you feel uh, the space for Chinese technology startups to, to develop, you know, from a small startup to something more significant or massive or big. Do you feel that space is shrinking because of how dominant the, the, the you know, the BAT or TMD are? Actually, this is a topic everybody is yeah, every talk, talking about. Actually, if we, if we're talking about uh, exactly number of the billion dollar company being grow up from startup every year compared to last 10 years. The number today is much bigger compared to several years ago. So the opportunity is much more compared to several years ago. It's just uh, I think the market is getting bigger, the profitability is getting larger, 
and competition is stronger. So people feel uh, more competition now, that's true, but the number of the good company growing is bigger compared to past years. So I don't think it's shrinking, I just think that uh, success rate, because now, nowadays the startup number may be like 100 times compared to 10 years ago, the success rate is lower, that's true. Well, thank you so much, Wei, for your time. Thank you.